0: Greetings everybody, this is a Travel Addict podcast where you can hear candid stories and discussions about business and adventure travel from around the world. With activities such as trekking, diving, camping, driving, cruising and just plain chilling out somewhere, we talk about lots of experiences in places all over the world including the grand, the remote, the edgy, the risque and ones of questionable merit. Education, fulfillment and wonder enrich our lives and of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of A Passport. Stay tuned. Hello, everybody. Malcolm Teasdale Hill, the travel addict. With me today, from the land down under, where women glow and men plunder, <laughs> is Regina Mayer. Hi, Regina. I'm going to just introduce you first, and then we'll get back to you. Regina had a change of course in life. It's an uplifting story. She's going to talk more about that, but it's a courageous story. She's traveled a fair bit as well, but it changed her life, and she started a new journey, and uh, she's done very well for herself. And I thought, you know, this I like stories like this. I know I'm centered around travel and stuff like that, but I always like good stories to tell. So (laughs) hi, Regina.
1: Hello, Malcolm.
0: Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. you. Now, when I first got online here, I I mentioned those lyrics there. The land down under where women glow and (laughs) men plunder. Of course, you know that song, don't you?
1: Of course I do.
0: (laughs) What a great song that was when it came out. Regina, you are in Cairns, spelled C-A-I-R-N-S, in the great country of Australia. Is that right? That's correct. You were born in (laughs) Switzerland, was that right? That's
1: correct. That's where I started out from. And from an early age, I sort of was driven to travel and and to explore. And eventually that got me moving halfway across the world and settling in Australia.
0: What uh, place, uh, what city, town, village uh, were you born in? Switzerland, by the way.
1: In Interlaken, so I was born right in the center of um, pretty much of Switzerland. You know, among the mountains. We have snow-covered mountains um, all around us. Um, I guess I found the horizons there a little bit confining. I mean, it's beautiful really? scenery. For yes, I did. <laughs> I, I I I sort of think. Um, if if you have too many tall mountains around you, it affects also your, um, not just your literal horizons, it also affects your metaphorical horizons somewhat.
0: Well, I never thought about it like that, to be <laughs> honest with you, because you have the beautiful scenery here. And I know Switzerland, because I study world indexes. And as Switzerland is always, well, in recent years, it's been classed as one of the best places to live on planet Earth, right? Quality of of living. But I know you, I realize you moved away at an early date. Now, my question to you is, what made you move to Australia? Am I right to say you moved from Switzerland to Australia, or did you go there in a roundabout way?
1: Um, No, I moved from Switzerland uh, to Australia, but we didn't. So at the time I was with my long-term partner, Sven, who's also in the book, and um, we were debating as to whether to move to New Zealand or to Australia. Um, And at the time it was easier to get a visa in Australia. We didn't need to have so much as in financial, uh, you know, savings and so we decided on australia purely on that so we we could get the permanent residency in australia and for the first two years we just had to make it on our own and um after that we were naturalized and we got our visas here but you know to to answer your question why to to move away from switzerland i i think it's like um I would say almost anyone that travels, it might be two things that drive you to tr- to travel and explore. One is, you know, an insatiable cur- curiosity, wanting to discover, to immerse yourself in different places, cultures, and meet new people. The other one for me was certainly um, the need to get away from my heritage. You know, I just needed to get some distance um, also from my parents and you know that's not saying I had a terrible relationship but I just needed physical distance to sort of become my own and, and find my own way
0: that's interesting and I remember when I was living in the states at the time and I went to Australia I took for business actually and uh, there was a group of Brits who actually moved there and Australia is the completely other side of the planet from Great Britain. So I was surprised I asked them that. Uh, None of them said really to to get away from the family, but it was a a career opportunity. And you mentioned that. I thought, well, that's still a long way away, isn't it? Switzerland to Australia. (laughs) We could have been Austria, Germany, or Italy or something like that. But you chose a a place far and far away.
1: That's right. And, you know, I mean, I did travel a lot before, and I have traveled in Australia and New Zealand before we decided to move there. I guess I didn't, you know, Europe just didn't really appeal, also for weather reasons. I like hot climate. Obviously, I now live in the tropics. So, um, America didn't really appeal. So, you know, soon enough, y- you look at the map and you go, yes, you know, I can imagine living myself. Um, moving myself across the world um, to Australia. That's sort of...
0: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Regina. Um, uh, uh, excuse me for asking this, but I have a, a reason for asking this. What age were you when you moved to Australia?
1: So we only moved when we were 30. So I guess in my 20s, all I did was travel. Uh, not That was not all I did, but, you know, it was a matter of I used Switzerland purely to earn money and then to plan my next adventure. So um, when we started getting close to 30, I remember we just returned from a year of travel and we just managed to rent a beautiful little house and we're sitting at the dinner table and I looked at my partner at the time and I was sort of like, you know, what do you think? Why don't we give, you know... Emigration, a shop, you know, how about we move to Australia or New Zealand? And my partner looked at me in shock and he was just like, Why would you do that? We've just returned. We've just bought a household of furniture. You know, we've kind of set up a beautiful life here. And I was like, Well, why wouldn't we? You know, time's running out. We're going to get less points if we try later and we can always come back. And I guess that's how I've always approached life. You know, if, if, there is an idea in my head, and I think, oh, I would like to do that. The, the question is not, why wouldn't I do it? It's like, why wouldn't I just go?
0: Well, give it a go, <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you that's don't want right. any uh, regrets in life, do you? I mean, that That's, that's for right. sure. No, y- yeah. you don't. So the reason I asked about the age thing is because if I didn't know any better, you sound a bit like an Aussie with your accent, so you picked up some of the lingo, I think. You agree with that?
1: Oh, yeah, pro- possibly. It's really funny. Like dif- different people peg me for different heritage. I get South African a lot or Canadian. Um, I I think yes, of course. I've been here, you know, uh, almost twenty years. Next year it will be twenty years, and um, or at least that that would have been my base. Um, of course, I picked up some of the language, and you know, as. Um, I mentioned I've written a book, so in the book is actually the end of that long-term relationship. So once you don't have a partner from your home country with you, of course, you're much more immersed in the culture and in the language as well. Yeah.
0: Yes, I can imagine that. So (laughs) that brings me to my next point. So you move with your partner to Australia and something happened, right? And and that relationship sort of uh, didn't work out in the end. So it was... I want to say reinvent your life, but how long were you in Australia before that came to an end? Or <laughs> did your partner move out out of the country? Or I guess it was a bit of a shock to your system, and you had to reinvent your life again. Did you? Or how did that how did that work?
1: Yes. Well, once we moved to Australia, um, I you could say it was a couple of eventful years for uh, the re- the relationship. You know, with my long-term partners then um, we moved to australia i did a yoga teacher training he got, got licensed here as an electrician but our relationship had sort of muted from you know a, a, a decent relationship to something that was a little bit on the floundering side of things and i guess we were or i was distracting by constantly keeping on the move so we were moving from australia then to new zealand eventually. And then back to Australia. And, uh, you know, uh, once that happened, we sort of decided we actually needed to take a break from the relationship to find out what each of us wanted from the future. Okay. Yeah. And, and I had been dreaming about sailing, you know, a big ocean for a long, long time, but he got really terribly seasick, so it was never in the cards. Oh, and that's no. when we decided, you know, this is my opportunity to fulfill my dream. Yeah, so my parents divorced um, when I was about nine years old and my dad, I guess, got himself a little sailboat. And every now and then I could go out with him. And I just remember the first time I was out, it was just absolutely fascinating, you know, to be on the water and to travel only by wind-propelled vessel and or just having the sails down and sitting in the middle of the lake and listening to the waves slapping onto the hull, and I just it was something that was ignited in me at that time.
0: Now, since then, you've done sailing quite a bit. Can you sort of is, is the word captain your own boat now, and you know all the rules and regulations and skill set to sail a boat anywhere, even on the ocean?
1: <laughs> well, I guess. No <laughs> I I mean, technically, I could, but practically I wouldn't want to on my own just yet. like if I were to really do that, I probably would get some um, skilled help <laughs> to <laughs> sort of educate me a little bit further. I mean there's much that goes into you know, captaining a boat. So what I did, because I didn't have the funds to uh, buy my own boat, I actually ended up crewing on other people's boats, which is a really, you know, um, cheap and fun alternative to travel the world by sailboat.
0: Yeah. And did you do that? I think you mentioned you did this in the Caribbean. Is that right? Mm. Yeah. T- tell yes. me about that. And the, the The country of Antigua comes to mind here. So what made you get the urge to all of a sudden, you're in Australia, decide to move to the Caribbean and get on someone else's yacht? I mean, how did you do that? Because that's interesting. I mean, that's got to pique people's interest. What a great idea. I don't have to buy a boat. I can go on someone else's. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, right. That's really interesting. So um when I was in South Australia and I had this dream of sailing in the back of my mind, I kept going to the library and I took out any sailing boat I could get my hands on. And uh, it was Jesse Martins, you know, he was at the time the youngest guy that had sailed uh, non-stop solo around the world. And I was reading his book and he mentioned crewing on sailing boats. And up until then, I always, always had thought that You know, if you wanted to sail, you had your own boat, had to have your own boat. So my mind was absolutely blown. And immediately, you know, I threw the book aside. I took my laptop and I uh, logged onto some crewing websites. I put my profile up. And honestly, within days, I had the most exciting offers in my inbox. You know, I like there was cruising happening in the Pacific. There was a guy traveling from New Zealand to Chile. There was Many boats, actually. But eventually, what I did is I wanted to find a boat where the captain had a lot of experience, obviously, because I didn't have any. (laughs) So (laughs) I um, also wanted to maximize the time that Sven and I had agreed I could take um, away. And so I found a boat in the Caribbean that would sail all the back all the way back to Australia, which would take us around uh, about three months. And so that's how I ended up in the Caribbean. And of course, you know, um, once we got on the boat, we had to prepare the boat for the departure. There was a lot of maintenance to be done. And the captain was a little bit shifty and um, there was tension building aboard when nothing happened. Our departure date kept uh, been moved back and eventually the trip fell apart and so that's how i ended up stranded in antigua and of course by that time i had met a wonderful exotic local man and you know i'd fallen head over heels in love and uh, so here i was in antigua you know sort of really conflicted in my emotions about the very steady uh loving relationship i had in australia and this new um, exciting, you know, man that
0: was he. Was he, was, was he a resident of Antigua?
1: Yes, yes, he was.
0: Now, I've got one question. This is right out in left field, Regina. Did he play cricket?
1: No, he didn't play cricket, but he danced like a god. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, say no more. I did. The reason I ask that for everyone out there, Antigua is a big cricket country, right? It's a national sport. And uh, if you go to Antigua, you find out there's always a cricket game somewhere. But (laughs) thanks for answering that
1: question. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually there for your information. I was there during the Cricket World Cup.
0: You were? Fantastic. I
1: was, but I never saw a game because I I don't understand cricket at all.
0: think about where i am located right now i'm in america no one understands cricket here but i was born and raised on that game because i'm a british guy right i used to yeah. sit uh in, on the couch with my dad watching five-day cricket games and he didn't want to explain it to me He said malcolm just sit and watch it you'll learn you know <laughs> and you know I, I used to joke to uh, my local friends here cricket it's one of the oldest sports in the world by the way And uh, what screws them up is the people I spoke to. speak to. I said, cricket, it's the only game that can last for five days and end up in a draw. They can never get (laughs) their heads around that, you know. And there's shorter games now, of course, but uh, Antigua and Barbados and Trinidad are big uh, followers of cricket down in the Caribbean. Now, when you were down there sailing, um, I was going to say this is a lot better than when you were sailing around the Caribbean, I'm assuming that, to me, it's going to be a lot safer than in the being in the middle of the Pacific because you can sort of get lost in the Caribbean. But where you were, you're in the uh, Lesser Antilles. You're going to bump into an island somewhere. So mm. why you're on a ship there, where else did you go to? A ship, I should say, a yacht. Where else did you go to?
1: So uh, when the trip fell apart, I um, actually had to leave the country, right, because of visa uh, regulations. So I ended up jumping on another boat and I sailed across the Atlantic instead because I really, like, I was interested in cruising among islands, but I really wanted to experience the high seas. That, that was my dream. I wanted to see big waves and blue for days on end and I definitely got what I asked for.
0: <laughs> so you sailed across the Atlantic. Now, it begs the question, now, I've done this, but I was on a cruise ship when I did it. But how big was this boat you were on to sail across the Atlantic? And how long did it take?
1: So uh, the first boat, actually both boats, I ended up sailing back the other direction again. Um, they were both 50-foot sailing yachts. And when I crossed the Atlantic the first time, so the reason the sailing boats cross at the time they do, so. Um, you know, they go with the seasons and the wind is supposed to be behind you, which is the most comfortable way of sailing. So basically the waves are kind of rolling with the direction yeah. that you're sailing and pushing the boat along as well as the wind. Um, however, the year that I went, for some reason, the wind changed direction completely and it was hitting us across the bow quarter for most of the time. So, um, you know, we had 30 plus Knots of wind, which is quite a lot over a sustained period. We had gusts that were much higher than that. And the sea was ferocious. Like it was just, you know, the boat was banging into the waves and the rigging was shuddering with each touchdown. Um, but of course, in preparation for my trip, I had read just about any disaster book and watched disaster document, uh, documentaries because I really wanted to know what happened if things would not turn out so favorably so to me i i I thought that was normal i just i just accepted it i took it in my stride and i actually really enjoyed it it was amazing
0: (laughs) you know i was going to ask you that i was thinking in my head here what what on earth is enjoyable about that the boats (laughs) going up and down someone must have been steering if possible awake all the time i mean uh, how how many hours did you sleep a day or could you get to sleep and how many people were on the boat?
1: Um, so there was four of us on, on that particular boat and uh, yes, sleeping is very hard. So what was really funny after the first, uh, first night when it started getting really rough, I woke up and I had this real ache in my uh, abdomen. And, you know, I, mentioned it there was another young female crew on board and I mentioned it to her and she looked at me and she said yeah you know I feel the same and so we figured that at night we uh, our cabin was in the bow so in the front of the boat and of course that's the part that moves the most so we had been lying on our stomachs and in our sleep clinging on with our hands onto the mattress to to pin ourselves down and that's where the you know, basically the pain in our stomach came from was our core muscles trying to hold on. Um, to, in regards to the steering, you know, these days most boats boats have an autopilot, so you don't actually need to do any physical steering. But there was this one time where uh, we all had rotational watches and I was up for a four-hour day watch And the weather was bad. You know, it was massive towering waves. The ocean was gray. There was dark looming skies above us. And for some reason, I decided this was really my opportunity to hand steer the boat. So I asked permission from the skipper. And I had only about 15 days of sailing experience under my belt at the time. So I was pretty surprised when he granted permission. (coughs) I went up there. I asked them to play Pink Floyd at full blast, and I took the helm. And you know, I was surfing this fifty foot way, fifty foot boat down the waves into the trough. I had to adjust the course, and then gradually the boat would climb onto the next crest. And waves would crash into the bow. I would get completely drenched. You know, sometimes I'd get away from behind me. Um, I mean, it was cold and miserable, but. To this day, these are moments that are probably of the most memorable in my life because I was no, so no. alive. It was so incredible.
0: Well, you had to be alive. I had to be awake. And That's uh, it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I wouldn't do that. What were you listening to, you say, when you were steering the boat there?
1: Pink Floyd at full blast.
0: <laughs> what particular piece of music by Pink Floyd? Not the dark side of the moon, was it?
1: <laughs> I can't remember which which album it was, but it was epic. I mean, what an epic band to listen out on an ocean when the sea is ferocious. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah. I, you know that's that's not a bad thing to uh, to actually get your mind away from the words of actually uh, going up and down in the waves. Well, you're a brave lady. I, I must admit, that's something I uh, know what desire in doing. I do some weird stuff in my life. But I would never do that because I have this thing in my head called the Teesdale Factor, which means if it could go wrong, it will go wrong. Right? So you're, <laughs> so you're a brave lady. So how long did it take get uh, take you to get across the Atlantic from west to east?
1: So well, it took us about two weeks from Antigua to the Azores. And then it took us another maybe ten days from the Azores to Ireland, but you know, I mean, the, the number like the days it can be it can vary because there are so many factors that influence sailing. You know, if the wind drops, yeah. you, you you easily can add two three days onto a trip because, of course, you don't carry enough fuel to motor all the way. So in some cases when you really, you know, you hit the doldrums, as they call them, and there's no wind. You're just gonna have to sit it out.
0: Well, that's um, not bad. So, so you went mm. to you went to the where did you stop at Ponta Delgada in the Azores. Did you stop over there for a while.
1: In Horta,
0: okay. Horta. Okay. Mm. All right. So you stopped there for a while. And the reason being, when I did a trans-Pacific cruise, it was actually from Barcelona over to uh, um, to Orlando. Um, the port there, but this stop at the Azores on the way, and I thought Ponta Delgado was a real cool town. Had some good pubs there. All the mm. buildings <laughs> were sort of black and white, but I know there's a lot to see there. But it was a cool place. Oh, it's owned by Portugal, of course, so that's a good thing. And then uh, from there, you went up to Ireland, did you say?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. The skipper, the skipper was Irish, so I think he wanted to. Um, head into this into his country, basically, and then um, we all disembarked the boat. So it was a, a pure um, yacht delivery. So the captain was with the boat, but uh, the three other crew um, for the passage across the Atlantic, we basically joined the boat purely to get the boat from A to B.
0: You know what? You, you mentioned the number of days it took you to get across the Atlantic, and that's pretty quick. As far as I can gather, because I'm thinking mm. about the cruise ship coming the opposite way, and uh, that w- I know the cruise ship can slow it down, uh, obviously for the passengers. But nevertheless, you said you took two weeks to get across, right? Is that right? Mm. Mm. Yeah, yes. well, that's incredible. Then you decided to come back. Is that true?
1: You that's can- right.
0: <laughs> Glutton for so- punishment.
1: Oh no! You know the way back. This uh, sailing the other way around was uh, really easy. That's when we did have the uh, wind behind us and we were being pushed along. And, you know, like a lot of people accept that that sailing an ocean is a lot of work, but it actually is a lot less work than cruising along coastal areas because the wind usually comes from one direction. You set the sails and then you don't touch them for a week. You know, you might have to trim a little bit here and there, but there's hardly ever any big manoeuvres.
0: What time of year was this?
1: So I did the Antigua to the Azores in Ireland. That was, uh, let me just think now, um, that was in May. And then in November was the return. So I came back with the season. Okay. But, of course, I'd, ret- I'd already returned to Ireland. by then... It's you know, the story is complicated.
0: Oh, don't worry about <laughs> don't, it. I, you know, <laughs> com- When you told me you were sailing across the uh, Atlantic Ocean in a, a yacht with, with four people aboard, or, or four total, I thought, yeah, that's going to be complicated, you know. Well, it's a good job <laughs> you all got along with each other because I can't imagine that, putting it with each other. But obviously, um, I can't imagine what would happen if you got into trouble out there because there's no one around. There's not many boats out there, but well done. Mm. That's that's an that's an achievement in itself. So apart from sailing, I know you're living life uh, to the full. It's what you've always wanted to do. Are you still living life to the full right now?
1: Um. Yes and no. You know, I go through phases where life is really exciting, and then life sort of goes. Back to, I guess, what you would call normal. Yep. So at, at the moment, I would say I am more in a normal phase. Um, and much of that was, you know, due to the fact that we got hit by COVID. Yeah. So that's right. um, what was really funny for me, what But, you know, when COVID first started, I was actually working as a cruise attendant here in Pants on the boats that go out to the Great Barrier. So I still have a passion for boats. I love being on the ocean. But, of course, I um, pretty much lost my job when um, this all happened. So my partner and I were sort of in lockdown at home and he looks at me and he said you know why don't we buy a house and or build a house and I I was like what do you mean like you know that was never really on my list of wanting to achieve and about two weeks later we sort of looked at a, a lot of land and it was a real spur-of-the-moment decision. That's the only type of decision I seem to be able to make. And um, so within two weeks, we basically signed a contract to build a house. Oh. And honestly, my thought at the time was, oh, that'll just be another sort of adventure, you know. And, um, of course, we got caught up with all the delays and whatnot. And it turned out to be quite the adventure and um, we moved in in march <laughs> so well, here great. i am as a homeowner for the first time or you know mortgage payer brother <laughs>
0: hey well uh, congratulations <laughs> on that i don't know if that means that um your adventurous adventurous side is going to be um sort of worn down a little temporarily because you just moved into the, the house here but you'll be back on the road or back out on uh, the water before too long won't you?
1: Oh, I have a terrible itch. I tell you what like at the moment i what is calling me most is actually it's really Africa. I would love to go to africa I have been before, but that's um something that is very, very high on my uh list to travel to
0: you, well, let me tell you something mm. mm. I just came back from there mm. and if you want a place to go to I've been to Africa before, but I went to the country of Namibia, the world's oldest desert, and mm. it was just spectacular. So by the time I got to Windhoek, the capital I had a five hour drive to get in the middle of the desert. The scenery is unbelievable. Went in yeah. a hot air balloon as well. And uh, talk about being isolated in the middle of nowhere. Look, mm. some beautiful lodges out there. Fabulous. You know, the country's mm. very safe as well. So uh, you'll be in good shape. And when yeah, I met the right. people I was going to Namibia, they said, well, where's that? You know, well, mm. you, know, you know where it is, but yeah, mm. um, Africa is a, a special place. In fact, I was also fairly near you recently. Uh, you're in Cairns, which is sort of northern Australia. Sort of, you know where Papua New Guinea is, right?
1: Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. I was just uh, west of there in uh, Indonesia, Raja Ampat. Okay. I do scuba diving, which is uh, the uh, largest uh, biodiverse marine park in the world. So, I was doing some scuba diving there. So, you know, if I had more time, I might have skipped down to Australia, but I didn't have to get back. But, uh, yeah, it's a great part, great part of the mm. world there. So,
1: that's right.
0: So, Africa's probably on your horizon, which is, and that's part of your bucket list, is it? Mm-hmm. Is anywhere else you, you think in the future? Because you're a bit younger than me. So, you've got plenty of places you can go to in the future. So, mm-hmm. apart from Africa, whereabouts in Africa, though, by the way, when it's obviously a big continent.
1: Well, there's two things that I absolutely want to do. One is to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, and the other one would be to go and see the gorillas.
0: Uh, and Rwanda, also
1: maybe, yeah, maybe volunteer in a game reserve. Uh, reserve, like you know, they, I just love the wildlife in Africa yes, and the people. You know, it's such a beautiful continent, um, and. So the other places on my high on my list are um, the Galapagos, same for same reason, you yeah. know, beautiful, beautiful wildlife, and Patagonia, you know, yeah. because of the absolute wildness of the terrain. I yeah. love to hike there. So, oh, yeah. you know, I think the one thing I learned is once you travel and d- you develop a love for it, there's always a next place to go. It's
0: in your blood. It's in your yeah. blood the more you do yeah. the more you want to do well do it while you can yeah. uh that's okay. for sure africa is great kilimanjaro if i said to my doctor i want to climb kilimanjaro he would do his best to talk me out of it Right? <laughs> and a bit older than you i'm past the point of doing that but uh, that would be fantastic and obviously seeing the gorillas in the, like rwanda or yeah. the congo would be a fantastic thing serengeti crater. I mean, there's fabulous places to see. So mm. hopefully you get to fulfill those dreams. I and mean, you could spend a lot of time there as well than just traveling around the continent of Africa. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously there's a lot of things you want to do in life. And I hope you, you manage to get them all done, you know. And when you've got them all done, there's probably be more things you want to do after it. Right?
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, because yes. my, my, my
0: book is getting <laughs> longer. It's not getting shorter. That's my problem. So you've got sailing and all that stuff. Excellent, excellent. Now, your website is Regina uh Petra Mayer, right? Um dot mm-hmm. com. Everyone out right. there, check out Regina's website. It'll when when the podcast gets posted, you'll see the uh the uh name of the website on that anyway. But uh, tell us, Regina, um a, a bit about your website and if people want to uh, tell us a bit about your book as well. It's called Change of Course. So tell us about actually tell us about your book first, and a bit about your website and how people can contact you if they want to reach out to you. If that's what you want.
1: All right. Well, the book uh, Change of Course is about about a fifteen month period of my life when I went to the Caribbean. I crewed on those boats, as I mentioned before, and I ended up. Um, moving to Antigua, and I ended up living in a small village as the only white resident, and I was determined to forge a new life there in the Caribbean. So at the time, I remember thinking so many things happened. It was an incredibly um, turbulent time. You know, it was eye-opening, thought-provoking. Sometimes it was heartbreaking as well, but um, I primarily wrote down the stories for myself just so I wouldn't forget. Um so this is turned into a book and the book is called Change of Course Sailing into Love and Adversity on Caribbean Shores and it is available from my website Rutinapetrameer.com. Reg- now you can go on there there's lots of information on the book about myself and um, you can purchase the book worldwide from my website. I do sign and dedicate them personally. But you can also buy the book anywhere else in the world um, in an online bookshop, if you like, book depository or similar, Amazon. Um, it's also available as an ebook. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to get in touch, like on my website, you find all the social tags. Uh, where you can follow me, or you can also drop me a line. Like, I'm actually really an extrovert, probably uh, quite unusual out of the author cohort. I love when people reach out. To me, it, it is, you know, my life has been about um, meeting people, and the most enriching thing for me during my travels, you know, it was the beautiful sights and experiences, but it was the people, the people that touch you along the way. So, you know, feel free to drop me a line let me know where you're at. And yeah, I'd love to hear from
0: you. I think, well, you just mentioned something there about meeting people on your travels because it's all educational, isn't it? You get to learn how these people live in different parts of the world mm. and you have a, a newfound respect for them at all. And On your website, you do have a video trailer as well, so that's worth seeing. But, yeah, there's a lot of information here and uh, it sounds excellent. So it's available everywhere. And of course, people can uh, reach out to you. Fascinating story, though, Gina, um Being on sailboats and especially sailing across the Atlantic—unbelievable, uh, unbelievable! I can't imagine mm. me doing that. Um, well, there's a few <laughs> things I like. I wouldn't jump out of a plane either, but, uh, but I'll swim with
1: sharks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't bother me at all, you know. But uh, but it, it, it's great. So, congratulations on the book, by the way. And uh, hopefully, sometime in the future, you, you'll write another book and. Here's another challenge for you. It just, you've written a book on paper. It's, um, on Kindle or an ebook. Do an audio book of it.
1: Yes. That's yeah. the plan down the track. I just, at the moment, I'm focusing on getting the book out, sort of doing a good round of promotion, and then I would love to do an audiobook, actually. That's on my That'd be list. Great. Your,
0: your voice fits it well. You, you sound great in an audiobook. It's challenging, by the way, but it's well worth mm. uh, doing. So okay. um, I wish, wish you all the best, and I wish you all the best for the future as well. You've got lots of things to look forward to in the future. You live in a great country. You've got lots of great ambitions, Africa, South America, Patagonia. Tons of stuff you want to do. That's yeah. great. So I uh, appreciate you coming on board today, and thanks for getting up early this morning just to be on the Travel Addict podcast. And uh, anything else you got to say, Regina, before we hang up here and say goodbye?
1: No, thank you. Just thank you for the opportunity. You know, when I came across your podcast, I thought, what a, what a fantastic person to connect with because. I think um, sometimes it's a little bit hard for us, you know, re- like the these lifelong travelers at heart, because people sort of tend to put a damper on you. Like I've had many people say, "Oh, you know, it's about time you settle down," and, and you know, when are you <laughs> going to stop doing this? And I was so excited when I saw your profile. I was like, "Oh, here we go!" You know, this is a and just a lifelong seasoned traveler that enjoys the same things i enjoy yeah so thank you
0: exactly <laughs> i i never thought i'd be this way but i am and i just want to keep doing it and doing it because it's education mm-hmm. i love doing it so the very best wishes to you in the future i wish you well and uh keep in contact with me if you go to some far off distant place in the future let me know how you get on because there might be a place you go to that i may be interested in that especially that's rwanda it. if you go and see the gorillas okay that's great yeah
1: I will. All, All right, right. thank you so much. Gotta go.
0: <laughs> Take care of yourself. Best wishes to you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Many thanks for joining me today. This is Malcolm Teasdale signing off. Before I do, please check out my website, malcolmjteesdale.com, for more information about my travels around the world. Okay, folks. Talk to you later. Bye for now. Stay safe.